Hello and welcome to our time around scripture today. Take your Bible, please, and turn to John chapter 2. It's about this far through the Bible. We'll be reading just in a few moments. And I'm very glad that we are spending some time in scripture in what I have come to affectionately call church on a flat screen. Let me start by saying I've been to a lot of weddings, more of them as a member of the clergy than as simply a guest of the family, if you will. I mean, I've been to many weddings where I've been the guest, uh, but obviously after this many years in ministry, I've certainly officiated at a lot of weddings as well. Our kids, when they were little, used to love to be invited to the weddings. Like if they, the uh, family would say, hey, would you not only officiate, but would you bring your whole family? Uh, one wedding I remember in particular, when their kids were, oh, I suppose Ben would have been seven or eight, Jacqueline 10 or 11. And Saturday wedding, afternoon wedding, we did the wedding in what we now call the West Auditorium. We went across town to a reception hall and the food was spectacular. And what was the most incredible thing was this band. Uh, the family had hired a band out of Chicago and everybody was dancing. And man, they had brass, they had this really phenomenal vocalist. It was this wonderful moment. And by about eight o'clock though, I'm starting to think, hey, I've got to get up in the morning and preach. This is back in the days when we didn't have Saturday night services. And so we're trying to leave and the kids are saying, we want to dance another song. We want to dance some more. And I'm thinking, I got to go preach in the morning. And one of our family friends heard what we were saying. They said, you guys go on, we'll bring the kids home. And so we made this decision. We're going to let these elementary kids stay at the wedding without the parents. And we went on home and I remember them rolling into the house close to midnight, absolutely exhausted, but thrilled beyond words that they had spent the evening in merriment, if you will. That loving weddings and loving to dance must be family blood. Well, it must be on Leslie's side because it's, I don't have it, but nonetheless, you've seen me dance, it's not a good, it's not a good thing. But nonetheless, one of our granddaughters at two just a couple of years ago was at a wedding and she is into it big time. And it's fascinating to see this little girl dancing, dancing her heart out. So I'm in a wedding spot right now. This is the 1912 barn that's used for wedding receptions in Niantic. It's 100 years old, of course, converted into this lovely reception space. And uh, it, it, it's a place that would remind us of what we're going to look at today. We're going to review a wedding from Jesus' day. It's, if you will, in John chapter 2, it's the setting of Jesus' first public miracle where he steps into public ministry. It's the first thing where we see Jesus does something in terms of the rest of the, beyond the family or whatever, just realizing this man may have some um, divine powers. Remember what we're doing here in this, as we make our way through John, if I may, that we're, we're following through what John says in chapter 20 when he says this, that Jesus did a lot, and there are a lot of those things are recorded in the book of John. And he says that, John the writer says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So I've written about a lot of things that happened, including this first miracle that we're going to look at. But here's the reason why we're making our way through the book of John. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And here's my hope today as we uh, spend some time in Scripture together. My hope is that um, this examination of Scripture will bring you to a greater belief in Jesus. If it's non-existent, that it will grow to that much. If it's that small, that it would then grow to that measure. And if you've been in a long-term relationship with God through Jesus, and with, through Jesus then I would pray that um, 
His role in your life through the work of the Holy Spirit will be made even more evident as our time unfolds here, looking at John chapter 2. So read with me John chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, Jesus' first miracle. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. So this is up north of Jerusalem by, um, oh, many miles. It takes a long time to walk from Cana all the way down to Jerusalem. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. The wedding ceremony is going on. The reception has happened and taken place. And we read this in verse 3. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. It's a bad moment. Why do you involve me, Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. I'm not really quite ready. But his mother says to the servants, do whatever, you, do whatever he tells you. Apparently, she had some sense that this son of hers would have some divine power with him. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw, out some, draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. So a miracle has taken place. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, you know, usually this is how things go. Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after guests have had too much to drink. But you've turned everything upside down. You have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So here's the scene. It's a wedding caterer's worst nightmare. The caterer has run out of supplies. I was at a wedding a number of years ago where I thought maybe this was about to happen. the reception was in this lovely hall where we all had to gather in the lobby of the reception hall. And there were servers moving about, every, all of us gathered, because um, those doors were still closed into the reception hall. And the servers had these little lamb chops on these platters, and they had those little covers that go over the, the end of the chop, and little, like, white socks. And I got to tell you, they were brilliant. I could have eaten about eight of them. After my second or third one, though, the tray comes past, and it's empty. And I said to the server, do you have any more of those lamb chops? And regretfully, she said, no, there's no more. And I'm going, are you kidding me? Fortunately, though, those were, that was just in the lobby of the reception hall, and the banquet got even more exquisite. But could you imagine the caterer's concerns if that was going to be how the whole event went? And that's exactly what happened in John 2. The wine tap was tapped out. Now, in the ancient world, in the Hebrew understanding, the Israelites, they had an understanding that there was a reason for great joy in a wedding. Not just because there was going to be merriment and something to eat and drink. No, they had an understanding that sometimes lost in our culture. Christians understand this, but maybe not everybody else. They had great joy because they understood they were in a moment when God was present. In Malachi chapter 2, There's a whole statement about what happens in a wedding ceremony. And in the midst of that statement, Malachi says, the Lord is the witness between you and your wife. And so for the people around this wedding in Cana, 
they're quite aware. Hey, if God is the witness to what's taking place, then not only is this marriage very cool and joyous, and that we love the fact that the families are coming together and we're going to have something to eat and drink and the young couple are in love. But as well, we have been in a place where God is the guest. And if God is the guest, then let's eat, let's drink, and let the merriment begin. But at the wedding in Cana, they ran out of wine until Jesus acted. Now, I'm... Biblical scholars believe that Jesus is, he's probably about 30 years old at this point. He's already left his vocation, if you will, as the son of a carpenter. He's now got some disciples around him who are listening to his teaching. But this is the first time, this is the the first time that the divine power of God in, in him enables and sustains a miracle that the public can see. And for the public gathered around, it's quite unexpected. No, we'd say so in that respect, and we'd say, no, they didn't expect this. This is Jesus' first miracle, but I want you to be very cl- have this very clear understanding. This is not the only miracle. There are more to come in his public ministry, and there are going to be more unexpected moments of joy when the cheap stuff becomes the good stuff. That's for you too, not just for weddings of some 2,000 years ago. No, that's for you. In other words, God is about to show up unexpectedly today in your place of of need. And your need may be far greater than water turning to wine, but I'm quite clear in understanding this. The God's power is not limited by your circumstances. And I like this story because Jesus shows up in life events. You know, there are all sorts of times in history when God showed up unexpectedly in life events. You've got the moments of the Red Sea, hundreds of years before Jesus came along. You know the story. The people of Israel have left slavery in Egypt. They're making their way towards the Promised Land, but between the Promised Land and them is the Red Sea, and driving them towards the water is the Egyptian army. And I don't know if their backs are up against the water, looking at the Egyptians, or their backs are against the Egyptians, looking at the water, but here's what the deal is. When they show up at the water, God shows up really unexpectedly, and the water parts. Well, you've got the story of David on behalf of his nation. Scripture tells us that he's a young, lithe teenager. He's not even big enough to wear the armor of a soldier. And yet on behalf of his nation, he's facing a giant of a man and God shows up and he slays the giant. Here's another story that I haven't still quite figured out all the details yet. Daniel, he's thrown into a pit with hungry wild cats. We call them lions. And he's thrown in there in the evening and the people are expecting that he's going to be eaten overnight. And the next morning, the king comes and peers down and says, Daniel, are you there? God showed up and closed the mouths of those lions. In each of these cases and in many more, the expected didn't happen, but the unexpected came along. And uh, there's a story in the life of our church in this regard. And I invite you to watch it right now with me. So First Christian Church, let me introduce to you some friends of mine and friends of many of you who uh, remember Darren and Dana Embry, who were part of the life of our church and in many ways continue to be part of the life of our church because they uh, served with us for many, many years. They now live in Decatur, as in Decatur, Texas. It's an interesting story how they went from Decatur, Illinois, 
to Decatur, Texas, but they are down in, at Crossroads Church down in Decatur, Texas now. For those who are new to the church, Darren uh, was on staff with us. His role was uh, um, discipleship. Elahi did a lot of small groups and a lot of the educational side of our congregation's work, as well as uh, our computer systems and all our lights and all that sort of stuff. Um, he was the one who set all that up. When you walk into the lobby, uh, moving across the lobby of the church, you will see all of Dana's work because she was responsible for organizing that and and uh, decorating it and putting it in the place the ways it is right now. And so they've had a very influential impact upon our church. So let me ask you guys, how are you doing down in Decatur, Texas? Fantastic. Yeah. Really well. So um, I want to ask you guys about a story of great import in your life, namely your son Gabe just had his 18th birthday and um, he's sort of a son of the church in many ways. And um, I just want you to tell your story of how you end up with that uh, little guy and now the young man and uh, give us a, I don't put words in your mouth, so jump in by all means. Yeah, we weren't sure we were gonna have kids. Um, and then several years into our marriage, we decided we would and we thought it would happen quickly. And you know, as things would happen, it didn't. And for close to 11 years, we tried and tried and we lost. We lost three babies and, um, and we were told there was nothing wrong, but they couldn't tell us what to do right. And that was all part of the process of us moving to Illinois, uh, meeting you and you blessing us with your compassionate heart. That meant a lot to us, Wayne. And when we got there, uh, being embraced by the church. And so fast forward to about 19 years ago now, um, we'd been trying three years. We couldn't conceive. We didn't know why. Um, and bingo presto to us, not to the Lord, but uh, after much prayer, lots of fasting, I know, on the part of elders and leaders, yourself included, um, the Lord blessed us and yes. we conceived and, uh, yeah. I think what many people, what many people may not know, and if it's okay, if I tell the story, I felt a the calling of the Holy spirit to start praying for you guys mm -hmm. without telling you, cause you know, it's, it's, I mean, this stuff is private, but it's on the other hand, I'm a coworker, a friend, and I knew what the heart, your hearts were. And so I enlisted the help of some elders and said, hey, you elders, let's for the next few months fast and pray on Thursday lunches. And I think we did that for three or four months. And it wasn't a case that we came together, everybody's working, doing their thing, but we did. And I suppose I wasn't supposed to be shocked when no. I answered that prayer, but I still remember, uh, Darren, you coming in and say, Wayne, you're not gonna believe this. And uh, how powerful that was that moment. Yeah, well, it really was. It was the same with our life group. We had all been praying for us. And the night that we told them, it was shortly after we had found out we were pregnant, we were already starting to have issues in our pregnancy. We had a difficult pregnancy. But um, when we told them, we didn't want to, but we did. And they were the same. Shock and joy and just overwhelming thanks to God for the miracle that was already growing in my tummy. So, yeah, it was awesome. A thrilling moment, a challenging moment, because your pregnancy was, I remember daily shots and that sort of stuff, yeah. but um, walking with you guys through that. Yeah. How's Gabe today? He's doing great, just fantastic. Um, he's got his mama's brains, and uh, so he's, the uh, Lord's really even blessed on that end. Um, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> academic scholarships. 
he is a delight. Yeah. He is a delight. He is such a great kid, um, a, a, an amazing human. So, Darren, does this story um, help you in your ministry? Have you had some re people respond to it accordingly? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's amazing how many people, um, uh, when it comes to adversity, when it comes to uh, struggles, when it comes to that, just that question even of why does bad thing, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Um, it, you know, there's so many layers there. It's, uh, we don't have time to get into all of those, but on so many layers. Um, and then just the personal side, too, that, you know, uh, Christians' lives, and then on top of that, pastors' lives are supposed to be just smooth sailing. Right. And yet that's not the case. You know, um, as, as you guys know, uh, you know, your story with, with Ben's accident and that, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, it, it, it just opens up so many doors um, and, uh, God is faithful and, uh, you know, you never want to pray that those things happen, but in, in hindsight, you take those and cherish those as, as, uh, things that God has blessed you with and, uh, it blesses other people. Yeah. All right, guys, best regards. And, uh, please give our regards to Gabe, send him yeah. up so we can visit with him sometime. Yeah. He would like that. <laughs> he would. Yes. He, we talk about it often and, uh, Hi to all of our friends there. Hi to everyone. Uh, we send our love from Texas to y'all. Y'all? Mm -hmm. we'll <laughs> yes. Y'all. Yes. You know you're really Texan when you combine it and you put all y'all. Yeah. All y'all. Okay. Well, yeah. God bless yeah. And you, you guys. do have to use that. They don't yeah. understand it. <laughs> God bless right. you guys and may the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's ability continue to work in your life and ministry down there at Crosswoods in Decatur, Texas. Yes. Yeah, Always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Have a great evening. Thanks, Wayne. Wayne. Blessings. Love you. Bye, guys. Wasn't well, it great to see our friends, Darren and Dana? They seem to be doing well down in Texas. You know the story of Jesus performing this miracle in John chapter 2? Uh, first public miracle, remember? It's an interesting thing that's crossed my mind of late. We know that Jesus became well-known for performing miracles throughout his public ministry. And when we think of miracles, we think of things like the blind people can see and the deaf hear, the lame walk, the diseased are healed, and all those miracles are phenomenal, absolutely. But all those miracles were also physical in nature. Someone's body, somebody's body was changed. Yet at this first miracle in John chapter 2, it's not a divine healing. No one was injured or maimed or needed healing. This is, a, this is a miracle in the middle of a social setting. It's a social setting miracle. And I love that this week. See, we've had a week that's been dominated by chaos and hurt and anger and pain. Lots of confusion. We're in the middle of a social setting that's in desperate need. We mourn George Floyd's death. And when we pray, here's what I'm anticipating. I'm anticipating that Jesus is gonna show up in some unexpected ways. I'm praying that we will see grief turn to comfort, that anger will move to peace, that riots will change to picnics, and that sinful racism will be healed by a miraculous work of God so that we live in righteousness and justice for all. Particularly, 
particularly for those who have not felt that in their family or life setting for generations. I'm aware of this. God knows our nation's trouble. God knows where we need miracles. And I'm also aware of this. God knows about your trouble. Here's what I mean. Throughout the Bible, God has a variety of names. I mean, sometimes he's called Jehovah, sometimes he's, he's God, the Lord. And then there are other names that we find in Scripture as well that are given to God, like El Shaddai, God Almighty. I mean, there's no being in the cosmos more powerful than God Almighty. Uh, sometimes in Scripture he's referred to as the Ancient of Days or Elohim, the, the living God. Here's another name that may not be so known, Elroy. Like, not, hey, Elroy, come back into the barn for dinner here. Not that Roy, but no, Elroy, R-O-I, the God who sees me. When we call out to God, part of God's name says he is the God who sees you. He's the God who sees me. He's the God who sees our nation's struggle. And I'd like to help you discover how God sees you, how Jesus is going to show up unexpectedly in your setting, whether you're in need of physical healing or facing a social setting that seems to have an impossible answer today. Can we have a chat about that? Here's how we could do it. I'd like to invite you. I am inviting you. Not just like to invite you. I am inviting you to text the word Jesus to the church's phone number. Text the word Jesus to 217 875 3350. That's our main number here at First Christian Church. And if you text the word Jesus to our number, we'll get you started in a conversation about how Jesus is going to show up unexpectedly in your setting where you say, man, I need the Elroy God to show up, the God who sees me. Perhaps you've never stepped into a conversation with Jesus. Jesus, the very embodiment, embodiment of the God who sees you. If not, and you'd like to start that conversation again, text the word Jesus to the church's phone number, 217-875-3350. And we'll, we'll be in touch. And here's two reasons why we'll be in touch. First of all, a promise of scripture from God. Jeremiah chapter 33, God uh, makes this statement. I'll bring health and healing. I will heal my people and let them enjoy abundant peace and security. That's my prayer, that that promise would become the reality for our nation and for you. That's God's promise to you and to our land. And here's another reason why I'd like you to get in touch with us. Because we'd like you to experience God's unexpected and unplanned goodness in your life. Now, be aware, friends, it's not unexpected or unplanned on God's part. But I would suspect in the ways that God's going to show up, it's going to be unexpected and unplanned on your part. And you're going to see the bitter wine become the sweet wine. You're going to see the social setting shifted. You're going to experience God showing up in the place where you may not have anticipated it before. Would you pray with me, please? God, I'm in this really cool setting. There's wood here that's well over 100 years old. There's, there's bound to be all sorts of stories in this building. Some of them are written down, I suspect, Lord, but maybe, maybe not. It's a place, Lord, where people come and have great joyous moments to uh, celebrate a new relationship, the development of a new family, and I'm glad for this place. I'm glad that it reminds us that 
your world and your life and your work within us is not limited to one particular moment, but you can see the past 100 years, you can see the past 5,000 years, and you can see the 5,000 years in front of us, and you can see the last 20 years of our lives as individuals and the next 20 as well. So God, I pray that you would be the Elroy God for us this day. For our nation, would you be the God who sees us for each of us as individuals, would you be the Elroy God who sees us and steps into our setting, just like Jesus did in John chapter two and with, with little fanfare, changed the plan, surprised everybody. And there was great news and great gladness all around. That's our anticipation, Lord, for the days ahead. In Christ's name, amen. Friends, I want to lead you before I close here today in a, uh, we'll call it a livid application for this week, putting John 2 into practice. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to put it, this John 2 application, this livid moment of God showing up in unexpected places perhaps, I want you to put it into practice in the form of a prayer. See, earlier in the worship service, you worshiped with a song that has been used by multiple generations to express praise to God. And you're going to participate in a reprise of that song, giving glory to God. It's coming in just a moment or two. And as you do that, I would invite you to consider this action this week. In light of Jesus' unexpected miracle at the wedding and the unexpected ways that he's going to show up in your life today, I want you to take a piece of paper or a, a post-it note or something like that and write, think of a setting where you'd like to say, Jesus, I need you to show up unexpectedly and simply write it on that note. Jesus, show up unexpectedly and then... You fill in the blank. And then put that note in a place where you'll see it again. Maybe in your Bible by John 2 with today's date on it. Maybe on your bathroom mirror. And if you wish, post that note to our, so, our church's social media pages. And we'll be in prayer with you expecting the unexpected miraculous power of God to step into that setting that you've placed before God. God bless you today. Thanks for your time. And may the sweet, sweet wine of God's goodness flow into your life this week. God bless you.